0: wants to heal men restore people in our nation how many hear me this should become the norm in our churches it's not going to happen all the time but when the holy spirit manifests well how many know we need to go with him what happens is we we prepare we move along and then the holy spirit brings an emphasis because of the people in the congregation when that happens, the, God wants to tag that in each individual life and minister. How many hear me? Now, that's the reason I say, Lord, uh, anytime you want to alter what I planned and I study a lot, pray a lot, I, st- I, pr- I studied most of the day yesterday and prayed. But in the middle of that, I'm saying, now, God, you may have something different. And, you know, that puts me on notice. If it's different, then He's has to empower because I'm not ready for that. But see, God wants to do that now, and you're watching from home. I can't, if I could get on my knees and beg you, I would beg you to come right in here because there is a presence of Jesus. As good as video is and as good as online feed is, it's just not the same. The presence of God is a tangible materiality. That is, you can feel it. And it'll get inside of you. It'll change how you perceive yourself. And then it'll change how you perceive the circumstances you're in. I've had that presence come on me. I'm at a loss for words. His presence. His presence will do something for you. And see, the basis for God's presence is His Word. How many hear me? If you get away from the Scripture, you get away from God. Get away from the Scripture, you get away from the Holy Spirit. But see, when the Holy Spirit manifests, His main objective is to make Jesus real. And He wants to help you fall in love with the Father. Isn't that good? So can I just talk to you a minute from my heart? So, you know... uh, just to keep following this vein. Um, I'd known the Lord for a while and, uh, you know, got baptized with the Holy Spirit in 1976. I was 18, almost 18. And, uh, you know, came to church, sang, worship, listened to the, you know, pastor preach and, and then, you know, read my Bible at home and such. But there just seemed to be that obstruction, that blockage. And just like I said earlier, See, a lot of people, I know a lot of people deal with that. You have a stoic relationship with the Lord. I I know from personal experience it has to do with you, not him. God's always aggressive. He's always there. He never changes. He never moves. God is aggressive to us in Christ. He's, He's put out his hand, say, come, just grab my hand. And see, we're the ones that are reticent to come closer. That's why James said, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Who's got to make the first step? We do. Why? Because God's already stepped forward. And he's waiting on you now to come. And see, we keep ourselves away from the Lord. We keep ourselves from closeness with the Father because of hurt, of pain, of loss. So for those of you that came up here and and anyone in here, listen, this is is really important. You know, if you've had an authority figure that, that you feel like has done you wrong, has not been there, See, those are personal judgments. That becomes a mental judgment. You can call it what you want. Really, in essence, if you boil it down, it's unforgiveness. When I fail to forgive someone, what do I do? I keep remembering what they did. The challenge for us is these things aren't conscious in our thinking. They've been with us for so long. Some thoughts are with you so long that you bury them. When you bury a thought, it becomes part of you and it becomes part of your life motivations. And see, that's why Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is alive and full of power and it's able, to dis- <laughs> it's able to discern soul from spirit, joint, marrow, and then it goes into the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what, that's what the Bible, the Bible's full of life. Started a podcast last week. Did y'all hear some of that? If you haven't heard my podcast, you can find it. What is it? Podbean, Spotify, uh, Apple podcast, all that. It's on there, our website. Go to MitchHorton.com. I hadn't looked to see if it's on there supposed to be anyway. But I've been talking about all that and how the word will get inside of you. You know, for me, I knew God loved me, but I had a hard time loving him back. Now, that's where a lot of people are. You just have a, a challenge loving him back. It goes back to faults. And what we do is we say, I forgive everybody. I love everybody. When I come to Jesus, I forgive all the people that have hurt me or harmed me. And what we don't realize is, is with forgiveness, you've got to isolate the thought. And those thoughts that lie buried, dormant inside. I say they're dormant at the same time they produce, they produce uh, actions. That is, if I have a hurt, an emotional pain, You can call that unforgiveness towards someone. It affects my relationship towards those who are like that person. So if I have something against my father, what's going to happen? Then, if I hear that God is my father, that he loves me like a father, underneath the surface, you know, it's lying buried. If I have things against my father, then see, it'll it'll hinder me because inside of me I'm relating God the father to my earthly father. And y'all... As good as your daddy is, he's nothing like God, right? So you just got to come to terms with that. And again, you've got to be willing to admit that something your parent, right now I'm talking about father, did hurt you. You got to be willing to admit it. And that's not saying the person's bad. Some people say, well, I don't want to go there because I don't want to dishonor my family. I don't want to dishonor my father. You're not doing that. What you're doing is recognizing this hurt. I don't want it to hurt anymore. And I'm going to let him off the hook. See, there it is again. Let yourself off the hook. Let the person off the hook. I did that with my own father. My, I had a great father. He was a, a very disciplined person, worked very hard. He was a man's man. He taught me how to be a man. He taught me how to love. He showed me how he loved my mom. He taught me how to love my wife. At the same time, there were things about my dad that, that I guess it was the, it, it was the commandingness of his presence that got me, perhaps, I don't know. But I had to let it go. So I went before God. I, I made a one-sentence statement. God, my father, when I went to grab him and say, hi, Daddy, glad you're home from work. He, I squished his paper, and he, he, he was harsh. I mean, y'all, I mean, it grabbed me inside. It hurt. I had to forgive him. I let it go. I remember the day I said, God, I, I forgive my dad. Had another, I had several other instances like that. And I had other things without going into all the detail for sake of term. But I just made one sentence statements. Lord, my dad did this. He said that. He did that. I did that with my dad, with my mom. Mom, if you're watching, I love you to pieces. You know I do. But I did that with my mom, with my brothers, with my friends, with my teachers with the people that were in my life that were close, ex-girlfriends, all that. You got to let it go. When you do, there's an emotional hook you release and it enables you to forgive and let it go. And so the problems we have with God until you're willing to face what your dad was or wasn't, there could be an element of closeness that you're hindered from. How many hear me? That's very real so here's what happened to me. So I did all that. And here I am. I'm 18 years old. I'm, I'm taking my lunch break. I worked 10 hours a day at the time. I went to school and worked. And it's kind of back and forth anyway. Sometimes on the weekends, I'd work 10-hour days. Or if I wasn't in school, college, I was uh, working long hours just to put myself through school and stuff. But So I'd, anyway, I'd take my lunch break and stuff. And, and see, I was wrestling with all this God loves me stuff. Because I wanted to love, I knew he loved me, but it was kind of complicated. I didn't feel like I was worthy. Ever felt like you're not worthy enough to be loved? Well, you are. Won't you say it out loud? I dare you to do this. Say it out loud. I am worthy enough to be loved by God, my father. He loves me, period. That's the way it is. So anyway, I go in my car and there are just certain things that made an indelible print on me. Uh, John 17, I was reading John 17 where Jesus is praying to the Father about the church. And I'm not gonna read the whole because I don't have a lot of time here. Read all of John 17, but when I got to verse 23, something Jesus prayed grabbed me and I I wasn't able to get away from it. It said, I in them and you in me, Jesus speaking to the Father, is praying that they may be made perfect. That means mature in one and that the world may know that you have sent me, and here's the catchphrase, and have loved them as you have loved me. Man, wait a minute. I had to read it again. You have loved them as you have loved me? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I kept reading it, and have loved them as you have loved me. You know what you can extrapolate from that? God loves you just as much as he loves his own son. Now, if you feel value less, and I did because of my background, because of my drug stuff, because of my waywardness as a teenager. I mean, I just felt like I'm the last on the list. You have loved them as you had loved me. I said, God, could it be true that you love me just as much as you do your own son? Yes, yes. Is that amazing? Do you feel worthy enough to be loved by God? Maybe you've trashed your own opinion of yourself because of what you've allowed yourself to do. See, when I say that, here's, you know, I feel the spirit of God. Here's what I know, the people in the room. You've allowed yourself to do things. You know, you know it's wrong. You know it is. And you did it knowing it was wrong. And then when you try to have something to do with God, it's like the enemy comes and hangs that over your head. Yeah. Yeah, God loves everybody, but you know where you've been, knew what you've been doing, right? Right? Is that true? Yeah, it's true. See, God loves you. What's what's the answer to all that? Repent. Say, God, I did it. I'm not happy about it. I'm ashamed of what I did. You got to bring what you did to the light. And see, if you know God loves you and accepts you, he's not going to fuss and, why did you do that? What's wrong with you? Didn't you know better? No, 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 no. When you repent. Maybe your daddy would do that. God, your father will not do that. They that come to me, I will in no wise cast them out. All who call on the name of the Lord, he saves them, he restores them, he renews them. So no, you mess up, you say, God, I did that, I'm ashamed of that. Come and take my shame, help me. So if you know God loves you, even when you mess up, I always say you confess up, you can tell him, and you can be honest about it, and know that he's not gonna reject you He's going to accept you. That's a big deal in our culture. Did you know that? What I'm saying right now? It's a big deal. Have loved them as you have loved me. Do you feel that way? Do you believe that about yourself? Do you believe God loves you just as much as he does his own son? He does. Jesus is not a liar. He revealed something there about you. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Wow. Isn't that a big deal? You, you got that, it's a big deal. Then John 16, I was reading here, verse 27. And Jesus was talking to the disciples, you know, he's, he's getting ready to, to go to the cross. He's preparing them for his departure. And he says, uh, in that day you will ask in my name and I do not say that you shall pray that I shall pray to the Father for you. And this is all New King James here. Uh, for the Father himself loves you. Said it again. That somehow tagged me when I was reading that, and I was dealing with all this in my own life as a young man. For the Father himself loves you. I, I kept being drawn back to that phrase, the Father himself loves Loved you, loves you because you've loved me and have believed that I came forth from God for the Father himself loves you. I read that over and over again. So God, there's something there. I'm not catching it. What is it? There's something there. And then I have an amplified Bible. An amplified Bible takes the Greek or Aramaic text in the New Testament and broadens it. And there are nuances of thought that are not translated by one word translation, particularly with the word love. And I looked up this word, in Amplified, this verse here, for the Father himself loves you. Amplified said this, for the Father himself tenderly loves you. I put some emotion in it. And then I thought, tenderly? Why did they put that tenderly in there? And then I went and looked up the Greek word. It's not the word agape. Agape loves what I was going to talk about today. Agape love is unconditional self-sacrificial love and that's how God loves us. And so my little mind would say, God loves me because he has to, because he's God. See, I put that on myself. But then when I read that word tenderly, I looked at the word love in the Greek. It's not the word agape, it's the word phileo. It's the word we get our, our word friendship. Philadelphia. Is from that word phileo, the city of brotherly love. A phileo is, is an endearing love. You, you, it, it, you, like a per, you really like a person. You like to be around the person. You like to hear them talk. You like to do things with them. You enjoy their presence. You're not with them because you have to be. You're with them because you want to be. Is that good? For the Father himself tenderly loves you. And that's when the Holy Spirit made it plain to me. God didn't have to love me. He wants to. How about you? Have you bridged that chasm in your own mind? Are you living under the law? Have you put yourself under a set of rigid standards that to be loved by God, I've got to be this, do this? No, he loves you. Having said that, that's not a license to live any way you want to live. at the last judgment just before the last person who did not accept Jesus as his or her savior while in their human body on earth before their heart beats its last beat and their lungs breathe its last breath. And the last person is right there on the precipice of hell. God's in heaven, he sees all and knows all. He looks at them with endearing eyes of deep love. And he recognizes a person made in his image, made to be cared for, wooed, and loved, who made wrong choices and spurned and rejected who he is. And so even his love follows you right up to the flames of hell, my friend. It's not his will that any perish perish. But so many people reject God's love because the accusing enemy, the accusing voice of the enemy says, God doesn't love me. If he loved me, why did he let that person in my life? They ruined me. Why did he let that happen? Why did this thing happen? Why did that happen? Why doesn't this take place? I prayed nothing's happening. God doesn't really love me. That's a lie. That is a lie. God's love follows you right to the gates of hell, my friend. Well, I've made the choice in my life, I'm gonna accept that love. I could have rejected it very simply, very easily. I have been very harsh in my life. The harshness came from not being willing to open up to him. But when you open your heart up and you forgive the people that should have loved you, how many hear me? And you let them go mentally. Mentally. Say, Father, I make a choice to forgive. See, I forgave my father. I forgave all these people I mentioned. I was particularly, go back to Father. I said, Lord, I've forgiven my father for doing that that day. And there's several other things. I've made a list, just one-sentence statements. Lord, my father did this, and when he did that, it made me feel, make a, make a fact-feeling statement out of it. God, when my, when my father did this, it made me feel this, because that's what's inside you. And when you let that go, and when you forgive, it releases that from your inner person, from your deep underlying patterns of thinking. Y'all hear me? Really, it really does. That doesn't mean you're not gonna have the automatic reaction. We have automatic negative thoughts, ants. They'll spoil your picnic. You can have automatic negative thoughts based on uh, natural responses over a period of years. You have to overcome the thought habits the emotion habits to put up walls and just keep yourself at distance from people. How many hear me? See, I used to be that way and I've learned that you can let the walls down with God. Listen, if you can let the walls down with God, maybe maybe, maybe, maybe you are a person that have a hard time getting real close to people. You, get, you go so far, you ever seen people like that? Maybe you say, well, that's me. I it used to be me. You know, You go so far with somebody, then it's like, I've let you in this far, but ain't nobody been any closer than that. You might be married to somebody. They'll let you so far, but they're not about ready to let you any closer. Now, any behaviors like that come from trauma, internalized trauma, because God created us to be loved, and he created us to love. How many hear me? Y'all get this? kind of thick isn't it it's a lot to think about isn't it and i'm going to show what um, i'm just looking at the clock i gotta stop this book right? i've had this book since 1970 um i think i bought this one in 1976 it's a hardback copy doesn't matter anyway i was going to look at the you know it's my head this is a book by kenneth hagan it's called growing up spiritually and um it was put out in the mid 70s. And I got a hold of this when I was a kid, 18. And, um, but there was one chapter here called Walking with Your Father. I think it's chapter five. And for some reason, I, I read through the book and then I came to chapter five and I couldn't put chapter five down. So I kept this book in my car. I had a red Mercury Bobcat. It was my first brand new car, it was a four speed, four in the floor. And I love that little car. And then I'd got spirit filled and I got a, I got a, a license tag on the front and it said in big letters, hallelujah, Jesus is Lord. So my brother turned my car, the hallelujah wagon, there comes the hallelujah wagon. Cause I came, came to the Lord, changed my life. Anyway, I was sitting in the hallelujah wagon and I would have this book and I, at lunchtime I'd bring my lunch. And I'd eat my lunch and I had an hour lunch, and I'd read, and I'd read this book. And y'all, I've read this. I don't know how many times. It made an indelible print because of something I liked that I needed. I didn't even know at the time I needed it. I wasn't. I, I, I couldn't share then what I can share now. I look back and I can see what I, what I needed. So let me just. I'm just going to read a portion. Y'all, y'all good? So he um, he reads the twenty third Psalm, and he's just talking about. He's talking about God being his father. And I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but a portion of it's worth it. So he, he reads the 23rd Psalm. I'm not even going to take time. I'm watching the clock at the back. I can see it. Um, then he says, to me, no passage describes the love attitude of the father and Jesus towards us more beautifully than the 23rd Psalm. Many Psalms are prophetic. The 22nd Psalm is a picture of Jesus dying. The 23rd Psalm. He's the good shepherd. Twenty-fourth Psalm shows him as the coming King of kings and Lord of Lords. We're living in the 23rd Psalm right now, he says. The Lord is my shepherd. When Jesus came, he said, I am present tense the good shepherd. Romans 10 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Now we live in the 23rd Psalm. This is my interpretation of the 23rd Psalm. I always say it this way, and I'm reading uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I do not want, I do not want perfect satisfaction. The ultimate of living. Verse two is where the luscious clover and tender grass carpet the ground. No effort on my part is required to have or get enough. He leads me by the waters, waters of stillness. Water and food are the requisites that sustain life. Thank God he leads me. He leads me, supplies every need. He makes me lie down and rest in safety and quietness in the pastures of plenty. Near me is a babbling brook. Its living water answers the cry of my heart. I have water, I have food. I have protection, I have shelter, I have his care. This is my father. When I'm frightened and filled with fear, when my whole being is convulsed with agony, he restores my soul. He keeps me quiet, he makes me normal again. He brushes away my fears and anxieties, holds me to his breast and breathes into me courage and faith. My heart laughs at my enemies, for he guides me down the paths of grace through the realm of righteousness, where I stand in his presence as though sin had never been, and romp and play in the throne room of grace where never a thought, nor a fear, nor a dread. My father, you see, is the one who's on the throne. He may be judged to the world and God to the sinner, but he's father to me. Now, now this is the part I would read this y'all I don't know I was drawn there was a lack you know if you got a lack in your life you're drawn to the thing that meets it that helps it and I've read this I, I don't even know how many times and I'd read this and weep in my car by myself if somebody looked at me it was wrong I think, I'm just reading and then it says he may be judged to the world God to the sinner father to me and sometimes I come in most of the time in fact to visit with him and I hear him say son Is there anything you want? What can I do for you? And I say, Father, I don't want a thing. You're so wonderful, so lovely and good. You've already provided for me all I'll ever need. And you wrote me a letter and told me about it. It's called the Bible. So I don't have a care. I don't have a need. I don't have a want that hasn't been met. No, I didn't come for something. I tell you, Father, I just came to visit you for a while. I just want to hang around the throne. I need to be near you, Father. Now, this is the part, and I would weep reading it. He said, my father said to me, in parentheses, he says, oh, I could hear his voice so plainly as he spoke to me. Son, you don't know how how that delights my heart. No earthly father ever desired the companionship and the fellowship of his children any more than I, the heavenly father, desire the fellowship and companionship of my children. Then he went further and said, you know, he said to me, I made man, so I'd have someone to fellowship with. I made man to be my companion. In fact, I'll put it this way, and he said it in just these words. I made man so I'd have someone to pal with. I put Adam on earth in the garden in the cool of the day, and I'd go down and walk and talk with him. It is so blessed and beautiful and so wonderful to be able to walk with God. And I was a young man when I read that. And see, God was this almighty, huge judging figure. When I was a kid, he was austere, harsh, demanding, just, right, holy. But to think that I could fellowship and he used the word "pal" with him—that was foreign to me. I was raised in a denominational church. I was raised in a Southern Baptist Church. They preached the word, but for me, because of my experiences, you see, what you hear—it comes through your filter of life, right? And your filter either accepts or rejects things you hear. You can hear me preach and reject it because your filter says, no, not for me. Not for me, There's a judgments. So I want you to get out of this. God the Father, I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done, how many times you've done it, who knows about it or what you think about it or what anybody else thinks about it. God loves you. Is that good? Huh? Uh-uh. The Father himself tenderly loves you. will not you close your eyes? Come on. You know, it seems a little arcane perhaps, but I have people do this because words have an effect on you. How about just keep your eyes shut? Hold your hands up in front of you like you're gonna receive something from someone. I know it's a little strange, but it's Okay. Pray with me out loud. Heavenly Father, thank you for aggressing towards me, for opening yourself up to me, for making your word available to me, making Jesus the living word my sacrifice for sin. And thank you for loving me when I haven't deserved to be loved. Thank you for your grace that cleanses sin. For every offense that I have ever committed that would separate me from you and your holy presence, I ask you to forgive me. And Lord, I ask you, help me to take steps towards you, not to stay where I am, but to allow myself to be loved by you. Lord, help me to deal with any unforgiveness towards any authority figure that may represent you in my life, I give you permission. Take me there and minister life to me because I want to love you and I want to receive from you and I want to open my heart to be loved by you. In Jesus' name. <laughs> you mean what you pray now here's what's going to happen you'll be off by yourself and reading your bible praying or whatever or you just be sometimes god will not speak to you when you think he is he'll catch you off guard like when you're getting on your lawnmower guys i love to get on my lawnmower or when you're getting in your vehicle or when you're going on the way to work or ladies you're washing the dishes you're sweeping the floor you're cleaning the bathtub i'll just talk to you in the mundane times of life. He'll just speak because you're not expecting him to do it. That's what he does to me. And then he'll use your terms like he'll let you off the hook. So he'll just say something to you and let you know that you have his gaze. How many hear me? If you haven't made Jesus Lord, we've got a, we've got a screen that I like to put up at the end of this. I've changed this a little bit. No, we used to have people pray, but you can pray words and then do nothing about it. So he's putting the screen up. They're getting to it at some point soon. <laughs> well, when the screen comes, he's going to leave it there. Take a snapshot of it, and then Mira's going to come in the service with prayer, and then we'll have there again. Thank you, guys. So uh, that, that's up there on purpose. If you're watching, you need to do that. You can't go to heaven without repentance. That's a prayer of repentance. If you're in the room, that's a prayer of repentance. But see, it's not just something you mouth. You got to mouth it, say it, and then go do it. Act it. Believe it. And we can help you do that. We can help you be disciple. So I love you guys a lot. And I weep over you. I want you to know God. I don't want you to just come to a church meeting or listen online. I don't want you to know God. Because if you know him, he changes everything about you. It doesn't make the problems go away, but it helps you deal with the problems that you face. So Lord, let this presence remain on us today. Let it stay alive in us all week. In our quiet times, when we spend time with you, let it really come up and minister to us. In Jesus' name.